This is a quick reminder to follow us on iTunes, rate us five stars. You can also follow us on Facebook.com slash Blacklisted Podcast. You can also find us on Stitcher, Google Play, and Podomatic. And if you Google Blacklisted Podcast and you see the fish, you know that's us. Fade to black. Hey, I'm Jeff Stormer. I am the host of Party of One and All My Fantasy Children, and you are listening to Blacklisted. Greetings, true believers. Greetings, Stan true Lee believers. here, welcoming Lee you here. to the latest welcoming harrowing the adventure. Ten, eight, seven, Leading the fight, one man fate has made indestructible. His name, Dubious. Black. Listed. This is not a test. This is your emergency podcast system announcing the commencement of the annual Fade the Black, sanctioned by Black Listed Podcast Cap. Commencing at the siren, there will be no holds barred. Anything and everything will go down. And now, here is your blacklisted true list. Check it out for those that know me. Welcome to welcome me back. Real slick beside the others. Straight up and down. Yeah, you know what I'm about. Fade the black. The entire United States until somebody sends us a letter and tells us different. But uh, I've been doing comics for years. I started reading from comic books when I was four years old. Um, I love it. I'm really, really into things. But at the same time, I'm very, very into making everything inclusive. I've always been like that since we started. I didn't want a shop that did litmus tests. Like if you walk in and you didn't know the Green Lantern, you weren't allowed to buy comics. Um, we've always had a lot of fun. Uh, come on down to us. And in fact, the first Saturday in May, which is free comic book day, come down to Atomic City at 638 South Street. Because not only do we give out free comics, we run an outdoor comic con that day. Because South Street does an outdoor festival called uh, the May Festival. So it's our fifth year of Atomic of Atomic Con. Um, like I said, we have panels, we have people out there, and all sorts of things. We give away more comics than any other place, any other comic shop in Philadelphia, if not Pennsylvania. So come on down, have a good time, and totally free. If you're in the area, if you're from the area, uh, I can attest. Atomic City Comics is one of my favorite places, just to like go and experience. We were lucky enough to do a show there live. Uh, and it's just a great little space. There's still the arcade in the back, that X-Men yes, arcade. We still have our, uh, we still have our arcade. In fact, we still do have uh, the four-man X-Men machine and that we keep. And everybody offers us money, but we will not sell it because it's, it, everybody comes to play. Right, right. It's, it's, it's a great little shop, uh, and it's just a great workers there. So go check them out. Uh, thanks for being here, Michael. No uh, and of Thank course, uh, our final panelist here today is. Uh, a scholar of comic books. Uh, I don't think it's too, uh, that too much? No, that's, 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 that's literally what's on my degree. Okay, so uh, he is the host of the Party of One podcast. He's also a co-host on All My Fantasy Children, both very good podcasts, uh, and you should be listening to them more than anything else, including this uh, podcast here. Mr. Jeff Storm. Hey, everybody. Um, I am a, as Kevin mentioned, I am a podcaster, tabletop game designer, and the unofficial, official art designer of the Olive Garden Restaurant. Uh, there's a story there, but I won't get to it today. Um, for the purposes of this panel, I am, uh, my literal English degree had a focus in comic books, so I can say the words that I am a, I am a literal comic book scholar. Uh, I've been reading them my entire life. They are my thing, they are my jam, and I'm excited to get to like, use my degree for what it was actually intended for, which is talking about comic books in front of people. Also, before I hand up the mic, I do want to also give a shout out to Atomic Con, because we go every year and it is awesome. It's pretty great. Uh, yeah, uh, we, I, don't think, I think we can stress that uh, more during the show, because I, I, I love it. I love 
the whole South Street, you're, if you're from the area, you guys know South Street is amazing, just in general. You guys have been kind to the creative arts, uh, as, as much as the, you know, South Street is in general, too. So our go-to our go-to South Street festival plan is you get a margarita, yeah. you get in the line in the Comic City, you finish the margarita, and then you go get your comic. Okay, okay I'm going to jump in for a little bit. One of the reasons we do that is um, the guy I first started the shop with, his name was Martin King. No joke, Martin King. Uh, he worked for DC. He worked for Marvel. He worked with Paris Tony's. They used to have a comic deadline thing they did. There were seven of them. It was called Maximum Overtime. And they saved DC, Marvel, and other comics constantly. When a book was late, they could put together the art, the lettering, and everything for a comic in seven days. And that's what Martin did. We lost Martin a good ten years ago. Uh, he was amazing. He was a guy that always encouraged people. And that was always the idea that we wanted to do with the comic city. We wanted a place where you could come in, have a good time, and nobody puts you down, they encourage you. So if the kids came in and said, hey, I got a comic book, and they showed it to us, we never went, oh, that's horrible. Do that, do that. We go, no, that's good. You might want to push this up, but Martin was that guy. Martin helped so many people, and I'm a shadow of what I used to be with him. Together, we were the Penn & Teller, Black Penn & Teller comic books. He worked the crowd, I did the trick. But anyway, thank you for liking the shop, but it is also a tribute to the guy I first worked with, Martin. Uh, well, and, and, and kind of in that same vein, um, while we're talking about the DCEU, I'm sure that uh, we all have our opinions on it, good or bad, uh, but in that vein of being positive, we are going to probably have some negative things to say about some of these movies, but if we can find the positive in them as well, I would love to do that. I just did... I don't know how much, what you guys did to prepare for this panel. Last year we did a Marvel panel and I watched all, I think, 19 movies. Uh, there were time to, to ready myself. Luckily this panel there's six or seven. There's not that many that I had to go back and rewatch or watch for the first time. Uh, and we will, I'm going to try to find some positives when we bring, bring some of these movies up. Um, but let's course correct the DCEU, which I think they're starting to do. We had a, a little, uh, Michael and I had a discussion outside of the panel room here before we started, that they're kind of doing it on their own already, and that was kind of my point. I think I, we, I personally saw that with, you know, obviously Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and, and now Shazam, which was, when I put this panel together, not a thing. So with those three movies, I think DC finally and Warner Brothers get it. Um, but I kind of want to start from the beginning, and, and the unofficial official start of the DC extended universe in the, in the movie world, and that's Man of Steel. Uh, which I'm curious. I know Jeff's opinions on it. Uh, I, I'm very curious. I'm gonna, I want to save you for a little bit. I, let's, I want to start with uh, Michael here. Uh, as the uh, comic book store, you've been reading comics longer than probably any of us here on this stage. What are your thoughts on, on Man of Steel? Uh, give it to us straight. Well, the first thing I'm really going to tell you is I tend to look at comics and, and movies as their own separate thing. I don't always try to tie them back to the comic books. Uh, my, my problem with Man of Steel, and I'm going to get in trouble, is kind of my problem I had with the Nolan Batman. Oh, now this is intriguing. Which is, they were very dark, and I got that. But I had a hard time with Batman movies I can't take my nephew to. And it just really tended to me, it seemed that they were, they went by the books and the comics. They went by Watchmen. They went by Darkman. And even Alan Moore and, uh, and, and Frank said, look, we realized that once we turned off the lights a little bit, you guys are going to turn the lights out all the time. And that was kind of my problem with Man of Steel. My biggest problem with Man of Steel was Jonathan Kent telling Clark, well, man, he yeah. let the kids drown. Thank you. Like, yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? I mean, one of the things Martin and I used to make a joke about is that in the future of the DCU, there should be like a 100-foot-tall statue made of the most precious metals of Ma and Pa Ken with the slogan, they raised him right. Yeah. And when I saw that, and even though they tried to kind of explain it, I was just like, no! 
that's not, you know, I, I think one of the problems, and I told you this, I think the problem was Zack Snyder. I don't think Zack Snyder got what DC did. Um, I think one of the problems that we have with a lot of the movies in modern day is everybody's used to heroes with feet of clay. And they're not used to heroes that don't have feet of clay. You know, they call them Boy Scouts, Captain America, Superman, Spider-Man. It's like, well, no, it's not supposed to be easy to be Captain America. It's not supposed to be easy to be Superman or Batman. It's supposed to be really, really hard, and you lose sometimes when you do it. And that was my problem with that movie. Now, other things I liked about the movie for, re for real was, oh yeah, that is exactly what happens when you punch a guy through a building. <laughs> you know, all of that, I got the idea of people being scared, but I just felt, I understood Superman killing Zod. I understood that, but the problem was the way they led up to it, it no longer had the weight. You know, it no longer had the weight of, oh my God, this guy's got nothing else he can do. I mean, they did in the comics and it was like that. And my problem was, because of the way it was presented, you didn't feel the weight of Clark slash Superman, and I always think it's Clark first, and yes. Superman's kept the, the thing, of what he had to do and how much it weighed and that was my problem with Man Steel. I thought there was a movie there. I just think it got off track and it never got back on track with this idea of, well, it's supposed to be realistic. No, it's not. We're talking about a guy that flies around the air in his underwear <laughs> and shoots lasers out of his eyes. So that's my opinion on, on Man of Steel. I, I think that, for me, I don't think I can even sum it up better. That's, that's almost exactly how I feel. And I've always said that like the biggest thing that I want to see now, in present day DCU, is giving Henry Cavill a real shot at playing that character. I don't think Man of Steel or uh, Batman or Superman or Justice League really gave him the right... I'm going to argue that. Okay. I think there are bits of Justice League where he's Superman. Are they that part of the director? Uh, I have <laughs> no idea because I didn't go that deep. It's the beginning when he's talking to the kids. Yes. Like, there's my Superman, and my other is there's my Superman is when he shows up and helps Cyborg. Yeah, okay. And yeah, Cyborg's yeah. like, what are you doing? And he's like, hey, they told me you know what you're doing. I'm here. I'm like, there's my Superman. The okay. guy that makes everybody, I'm just here to help. I, I trust you. That's my guy. Basically, two minutes of that Superman in what, a like, two and a half hour movie? <laughs> I, I, I'm not arguing, I'm though. I, I, I did like the fight, you know. I, I, I love the fight when he comes back and he showed exactly how scary Superman is yeah. for a second. Which, if they had had the normal Superman, that would have been much more of a horror show. Mm -hmm. right, right, right. Because it's like, oh no, this guy's always, oh my god, he's not on our side right now. Holy crap. But I agree with you. Yes, there were only a couple of minutes there. Um, but they are. Uh, the fight with my, my absolute favorite scene out of Justice League, where I said, there's my Justice League, is when Flash is running, and Wonder Woman's losing her, her, her sword, and the Flash pops up to her with a smile on his face. And I'm like, there's my Justice League. My Justice League smiles. Yeah. My Justice League are good guys. But yes, I agree with you, it was only a couple of minutes, but at least they were there. Is, the only one that was really smiling out of that whole thing was Aquaman. And maybe Flash, but Flash was more of a jokey jokey type of, <laughs> I don't think I really belong here, but it's a big awkward type of thing. At least the one that seemed like he was sort of having fun was Aquaman. Oh yeah, you know, your, your cool drunk uncle that comes in and, 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 and slips, you the, slips you the fireworks when your dad's around. Yeah, Aquaman was great. I love that description of Aquaman. <laughs> I want to disagree with that, but again, at least he seemed fun. Everybody else was dour, down, but it was also with their movement. I have a theory on why those movies looked at him, and he, and I talked to him about it. I think the real problem that happened, um, <laughs> um, but I should shut up, because I'm talking to you. <laughs> 
And I think I think part of it is Zack Snyder, as, as we, we grew up in it. But uh, Jeff, I know I, I've seen you. You've been wanting to talk about Man of Steel since. I got, I we, got, a, lot, I got a lot of things to say about Man of Steel. So I want to hear what you have to say about Man of Steel. I, I think you're exactly right about everything. I, my, the, the good thing I would say about Man of Steel is I think that it is perfectly cast. I think you could make a transcendent Superman movie and not change a single. The only the only casting I would change is Michael Shannon. Which is not to say that I would cast someone else as Zod. I would just cast Michael Shannon as someone else because I don't think Zod is that interesting of a character. And I would, I would, I would use Michael Shannon, who is tremendous, as a more interesting villain. But I think it is perfectly cast. I mean, Henry Cavill is, has the potential to be an exceptional Superman. There's an interview clip where he briefly is talking about Superman. And he's like, people say Superman is boring because he does the right thing all the time. But doing the right thing is the coolest thing in the world. And I'm like, that's Superman. That's the thing Superman says. But, like, the, the problem I have with it, and I agree with you, it's, I don't even think it's that they don't get DC or Superman. I think it's that they don't believe in the idea, the core mythological idea of Superman, which is somebody can do good, has the ability to do good, and the, 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 uh, the, the, the emotional appeal, like, core idea is that they then choose to do good for the sake of doing good. I don't think Zack Snyder believes, I don't think really anybody that's worked on the DC movie really believes that someone is capable of saying, I want to help someone just because it is the right thing to do. Which is why they think they have an entire movie where Superman kills someone to learn that he doesn't like killing people. Because I'm like, he should just like he should just be a, like a person that knows that. Because like I've never murdered anyone, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I don't want to murder anybody. That's fair. I don't I mean I agree. I don't think I want to. I think that, uh, and I think to, not to cut you off completely, but going back to what Michael said about the Kent, mm-hmm. like to me that, the, 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 he learns so much from Ma and Pa Kent, yeah. um, and, and, and what it means to be a good person, and here you have Jonathan Kent saying, ho, 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 saving a bump full of children? Whoa, 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 saving the dog or me when no one can see you? Yeah, no, just let me die. Like, that's all bad choices. Which is another thing that I don't like. Speaking of his upbringing is the other big thing I don't like. And, like, all of the Superman movies have done this, and I don't like when they do it, which is they all have, and some of the comics have done this as well, and I don't like when they do it in the comics, which is I don't like any time Jor-El sends Superman to Earth to make him the savior because it feels like it takes away some of the joy of that Superman myth of, oh, I have, like, it's, I randomly have the opportunity and the skills to do good. It's not, well, I was sent here on a holy mission. It just, it kind of, it adds to the beauty of Superman as a character when he says, I'm not, I was here by chance. I washed up on whatever planet I could live on. Let me, and I have now the ability to help people in a way that no one else can. So let me do that because it's the right thing to do. I do it because nobody else yes. can. Yes, exactly. And I feel like, I don't like any time they have Jor-El give the, like, you were chosen speech, because it feels a little tacked on. It feels like it's, it's over, it feels like it's undercut Superman's choice to be Superman. It, it, it takes away that voice down that you mentioned, that, and that was my, that's always been my problem with Man of Steel, is that it just, it doesn't feel like Superman. It doesn't feel like the guy that we should look up to, the guy that... Uh, just is just inherently good. He, like, it's, like, he almost feels forced into doing good. Uh, until maybe the end of the movie when he's like, oh yeah, Drat, that was a bad thing. Oh yeah, and also to bring up a point for you earlier when you said um, for basically pocket and say, no, don't save me. But it's usually um, Clark who had all the power in the world when his dad would have died of like heart attack or something else. He, he all the power he had, couldn't save him because of that. Yeah. But in the movie, he could have went. Literally in the blink of an eye and save him, but the fact he said no, don't save me because you'll expose yourself. But the way the movie was cut, the next thing is Clarkson handcuffs being let down in front of a group of people, which basically it exposed himself. So he basically sacrificed, sacrificed himself for nothing, and Clark did nothing. And I, I like what you said about the heart attack because, or, or something along those lines, whether whatever story you like of content. Jonathan Kent. Um, I, I love that part of Clark's story is is that he will do everything to save you, and when he comes to his own father, his, his father on earth, the man that raised him, no matter what 
he tries to do, he can't stop that heart attack. I think that's such an important part of that character. And I think that this movie, you know, which, which eventually launched this universe, like, it, it's such a bad launching stone for this universe. Because it, it's just, it's dark, it's not right, it doesn't feel good. It, it's interesting you bring that up because they actually touched on that in the comics at one point. They did something, I think it was with Lois, or it might have been a kid, who's about to die. And Superman is going fast. Ridiculously fast. And as he's doing it, he thinks to himself, I haven't moved this fast since, and it's then you think, don't think about it, since I tried to save Pop. And instantly you go, oh, crap. He might fail again. <laughs> Which I think is a very important part of Superman that everybody doesn't touch on every once in a while. That this guy does have these amazing powers, but he doesn't guarantee anything. Absolutely. Uh, that, that, you explaining that issue, which sent a shiver down my spine, thinking that Superman can fail. Uh, do you, any of you have anything else to say about Man of Steel uh, before we move on to the rest of the, the train wreck here? No, it's just, again, it's just the, that the way that he was raised, as far as like, everything that we know about him, is the way that he was raised by the kid is what makes him him. But in the movie, they basically raised him to be a little bit of a, a whiner. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. I agree. I do want to. So let's, I want to lump, let's lump some of these other movies together. I think there's two kind of. There's like a dividing point. There's the DC movies that are, and then there's the good DC movies, right? That, that have come out. Uh, so let's talk about the the. We haven't really course corrected yet anything yet. Let's talk about Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad, and I, I'm gonna say an unpopular opinion here, and to a lesser extent, Justice League. I went into Justice League with zero expectations. I assume many people did. Um, and I had a really, really fun time in the theater, watching that movie on the big screen, seeing all these characters, having their moments of like, this is fun, this is dark. And, 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 and it's not great when it's the Snyder vision. And then when it's the Whedon vision, it's, it's actually kind of fun. Um, and uh, it's forgettable, though. It's a forgettable movie. Uh, and rewatching it on DVD, I felt exactly the same thing. This is a fun movie. Not good, but fun. So, you know, let's talk about these, these less than better I really movies. like Suicide Squad. Oh! And I'm, I'm going to stick by that, and I also like that joke. Okay, okay. That's a, that's, a, that's a take. I understand. I know what everybody hates me because that. I had no problems with Gary Leo's Joker. I also had never seen him in anything else, so I had no baggage when I saw him. Uh, I, yeah, I, uh, see, I'll say when it comes to that, that Joker, I don't think we got a, really enough of him to judge him properly. Uh, from what, from the, the picture that I've seen of Gotham, better than that, for sure. I'd rather have the, I don't know what the... Not, the, enough, not enough forehead tattoos. I guess yeah, not enough forehead tattoos. Not enough grills? Not enough grills. I don't. I didn't think I would see a Joker that I liked least than Jared Leto. Initially, I did not like the look, and I still don't like the look of that Joker. I don't. I think it's he's unfair. Great. I, it's unfair I because he has a suit that fits him. <laughs> and, but the Gotham Joker, I was like, what? I, we're not here to talk Gotham. We're here to talk to DCEU. Uh, so, if, if you wanted, if we want to talk about course correcting and like, or rather, like, if we, I, I really, really, here's my true belief about Justice League. You would, if you just didn't do Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman, and you just like, you didn't do those, and you didn't have the resurrection stuff in Justice League, you could just start with Justice League. I think they could have just made that movie. It would have been very different from how Marvel did it. They would have said, here's everybody, and they would have been banking on the assumption that with at least half of the cast, you kind of know their deals because they're Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Right. We know them. You know, you just start with that movie and then you segue off to Wonder Woman from there. I think that's a perfectly reasonable, because then you go, oh, Batman. Yeah, okay, I know Batman feel. No one ever needs to see Superman's origin story on screen ever again. I mean, nor Batman. Yeah, nor Batman. We all kind of know. I, I think Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, we're kind of done with origins for this. How characters. many times do we have to watch pearls fall into <laughs> it or fall into a puddle? <laughs> But, but also at the same time with course corrections, it seems like each additional movie tried to fix a problem that they made with the previous one. Yes. It seems like Batman v Superman was trying to correct problems that they made in Man of Steel, and then 
some of the problems they made in BVS, they tried to correct in Suicide Squad, even though it wasn't the same thing, but also Justice League tried to correct some of those same things. So you don't need to, basically making your next movie to correct your last one isn't exactly course correction. It's basically messing up that last, that current movie. I, I, the biggest problem I have with, with Batman vs. Superman is that I didn't want to see it in theater. If I am a Batman fan, and, and you know, to a lesser extent, a Superman fan, if you're telling me that movie's happening, you show me a trailer, the first thing I'm doing is buying a ticket. Those trailers, they've marketed the movie very poorly. Because I will say, I don't like the film that much. But again, it's a film that I watched sick on my couch on HBO, very low expectation. Like, I could watch this funny, you know, in every other DVD in my house, so I'd watch this movie, you know? Uh, it's not as bad as I think a lot of people made it out to be. It's just that. My biggest problem with Batman vs. Superman was that it involved the jar of tea as, a, as like, a notable plot point. Was that they, like, really emphasized that. Like, that was a, 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 a rough call. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I don't think I see just go on to... <laughs> um, I told you this. My thing about Batman and Superman is I think the movie was doing something that the audience was not expecting nor wanted. And when I went and saw it, and remember, Batman and Superman comes out Easter weekend. Batman and Superman is a passion play. It is a passion play. That's exactly what it is. And as I was watching it, and also, it wasn't a vengeance, it was almost Lord of the Rings. Because there was all this world building, and this was about the twilight of two gods. And as I'm watching it, I'm going, okay, it's a passion play. Batman's pilot, Superman's Christ. This is very interesting. I'm pretty sure everybody else in this theater other than me is not seeing that, and this is not what they came to see. It's interesting to try. I don't think it's going to go that well. Sort of the same way that I felt about Angley's Incredible Hulk when I first heard Angley. I went, ooh, an art house superhero film. I'm pretty sure nobody else is wanting that or expecting it. It's not going to do well. And that's how I felt about Batman Superman. I just looked at it. I'm like, okay, I understand this. This is being told through Batman's eyes. So Superman's dark and evil and stuff. I also blame the fans a bit because fans have been screaming for 20 years that Superman can't be a, a, a boy scout, Superman needs to kill people, Superman needs to be dark, and they gave it to him, and they went, what the hell's that? It's like, it's the thing you've been asking for for like 20 years. And that was my feeling. I watched it, and I felt there were a lot of bad decisions. I'm also going to get in trouble once again. I like Lex Luthor. I think crazy out of his mind Lex Luthor is a very nice juxtaposition between the old silver and golden age Luthor in a, you know, the, the guy that constantly walked around in a prison uniform, you know, just going, what do you want to do? You know, yeah, I, I know I'm a, I'm a criminal, you know I'm a criminal, what do you want to do about it? And the crazy guy, because I just kept going, eh, this isn't really Luthor's kid, this is Luthor. Luthor grew, grew himself a body. And he's still got a problem getting himself together. And I know everybody else hated Jesse Eisenberg. Like I said, I'm, I'm banning it. I like Luthor. I like Joker. I like both both of those portrayals. But I just feel they crammed too much stuff in it. And the other thing that hurt, I mean, good word, the death of Superman. The death of Superman should mean something. And yeah. in that theater, I was like, uh, okay. And that's the problem with Batman vs. Superman. Like, for me, that movie, I, I think if we're going to call course correction here, I love Jeff's idea of starting with Justice League, and you build for years off of that with your all your other properties, and then you get to Batman vs. Superman. Because what I always liked about The Dark Knight Returns and those scenes that kind of are reimagined in this movie is, is that these are two guys that ha were friends. They were best, they were brothers, brothers in arms. Uh, and they are now enemies, and they are now on different sides of the line, and you don't get that feeling. Like, in, in Civil War, I got that feeling with Iron Man and Captain America. It, uh, it, was, it hurt to see them fighting. It did, I didn't care that Batman and Superman were fighting. Yeah, because you never got to see that they were friends. You never got to see that they were friends. I, I really like a Batman and a Superman that are friends, and I don't, and I don't feel like we've ever gotten that. No, no, we, we, we were teased in Justice League. 
that, that could be a thing at the end there. Um, and, and I'm gonna, like I said, I, I think Justice League is, is, you could fix that movie to be a, a, a good movie, I think. And the better movie is your take me off point, I think. Um, the best thing, oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't know if anyone has anything else to say. The best thing about Batman and Superman, the very best thing, we all know it, even when I was in fear. The best thing about Batman and Superman is the very middle of the movie, when for five minutes he turns into a Wonder Woman. Yes. Because uh-huh. those five minutes, it's like, Batman and Superman do shit. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, and like we were talking about, the other thing that I remember that made me happy in my soul was when, when, when Diana went up against Doomsday, he slaps her across the thing, she does that three-point Gundam thing, looks up, and there's a smile on her face like, ooh, I get to play. <laughs> it was like, yeah, dude. Well, and I think the best thing about Batman vs. Superman is that it gave us Wonder Woman. It gave us, like, oh, this character is cool. And actually, I, I love Batman. Like, I think he's a great, I, I, uh, he's a good actor, and I think he plays that role really well. I really like Batman. And, and while I think they maybe, I, I, I don't think he was as good in Justice League as he was in, in Batman vs. Superman, um, but I really liked those two aspects of that movie, and, and, it, it, and it's a shame that it just went right away. I feel that Justice League actually gave me something about Batman that I never understood before, which is when he's fighting parademons, when he's doing all this, it's something like, oh my god, Bruce, you're insane. You're really crazy. You're like jumping in the beginning. You're jumping on the back of a parademon? You're going up against God with nothing but, oh, I can move fast and I've got a gun? <laughs> oh, I'm rich. I'm real rich. But at the same time, it was the first time that I looked at that. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Sometimes made it look like he had a devilish. Exactly. And, and once again, why I like crazy Uncle Uncle Aquaman. Seriously, this is your your, uh, your, your plan? I'll drive a car and get killed? <laughs> Not that I think it's bad. I mean, cool, dude. <laughs> and again, that's a scene that I like. Like, there's a lot to like in that movie if you pick it apart. Yeah. Um, Let's move on uh, before uh, we go into the future of the DCU. Let's talk about the movies that work. Because uh, I don't think, I, I don't know if any, you like Suicide Squad. I, I feel like there's really nothing you I watched that. I'm going right along with you. I actually own the Blu-ray. I, 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 I don't own Man of Steel. I don't own BTS. I don't own Justice League. But I do own Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, and... Yeah, I own Suicide Squad. I own Wonder Woman. I have the others because a friend of mine buys the Blu-rays and always gives me the digital copy. And I like Suicide Squad. The reason I liked his Joker is because his Joker finally felt like the Joker I know. Uh, two scenes. The one with him watching Harley dance and the guy going, oh yeah, that's a great girl you got there. Oh, you like my girlfriend? You, you, you want to do something with her? Oh, no, 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 Mr. Joker. Hey, Harley, he doesn't think you're cute. This guy thinks you I'm like, oh my God, you poor bastard. They are just playing with you, like pulling the wings off a fly. The other scene, when he walks, when the guy's waiting and has no idea what it is, and the minute Joker walks in, the entire feel of the room changes. And he, he feels those hands on his shoulders. It's just like, why didn't you tell me so I could have killed myself before this guy showed up? And that is why I like his Joker. I like his Joker because he was off kilter. I like his Joker because he was dressed well. I know everybody likes Heath Ledger, and Heath Ledger, and I'm not taking anything away from him. But I don't like it when the Joker actually looks like a serial killer. Um, I think one of the scariest things about the Joker, and not that Lego got there either, is I think the Joker's much scarier than if you could possibly mistake him for an actual kitty clown. It's, it's the it factor. It, it, it yeah. is the Pennywise thing. It's like, he looks like a clown, and that's terrifying. Right. And, and the idea that even take that from uh, Dark Knight, I don't know what he's up to. Maybe you're just going to actually take the town with for no good reason other than you can do it, and maybe you're going to start stacking Boy Scouts like Cordy. But i got to stop it before I do. And in some ways, that was why I liked that Joker. I wanted to see more of that Joker. I had no problem accepting that the Joker will sit in a, in, in, in a hotel room and put out knives and guns all in a halo circle around himself and lie on the ground and laugh. 
and at the same time, when you come to talk to him, you, you're not sure how to talk to him about uh, uh, Mr. Joker. <laughs> Mr. Joker? I'm not Mr. Joker. That's my father. My father's Mr. Joker. Just call me Mr. J. Okay, Mr. J. Oh, so no respect? <laughs> is that what this is all about? You don't respect me anymore, Tom? <laughs> I'll tell you, you're, probably, you're, you're kind of selling me on, on that joke, right? Like I said, I think we needed more of him to really appreciate him more, I guess. Uh, a huge problem I have with Suicide Squad is I'm, watching, I'm sitting here watching it. I'm like, man, they really are trying to play with this Guardian you know, thing here. And then all of a sudden, Spirit in the Sky plays, and I'm like, I, I, I stopped taking notes at that point. I'm like, this is just, you're just taking from this movie now. I mean, and they took the director. They got him. <laughs> yeah, I'm re- really curious about the bus suicide squad when I come back. I, I, I think that's, and I think that's fine because I like the Guardians, and I think yeah, doing yeah. it in it's like in another. And I think what they do well in Suicide Squad, and it's Suicide Squad almost seems to understand what makes the Marvel movies tick better than like for sure, like at least better sure. than any of the DC movies because Suicide Squad is a genre movie that happens to have superheroes in it. It is a dirty dozen or like exactly. It is a genre, a grindhouse like we got a gang of ex-cons together to pull one last job like that has a bunch of superheroes in it, and I think. Doing that is what makes the Marvel movies so effective is because Captain America isn't a superhero movie. Captain America First Avengers is a World War II action thing, and Captain and the Winter Soldier is a 70s conspiracy thriller. Like that's what makes those movies effective. So the fact that they were just like, why don't we just make this one a Marvel movie and see what happens? It was like, okay, we'll that. Yeah, they are ba- they're all basically genre movies yes. within a genre. Yeah, right. And the other thing that I love about Suicide Squad is they hide the real thing. The villain you think you're worried about, you don't find until the very end. And to this day, I have watched that movie six, seven, eight times. And no matter how many times I watch it, and even though I know it's coming, every time Amanda pulls out that gun and takes care of everybody in the room, I'm like, oh, shit! (laughs) Somebody needs to do something about her! It, well, and I'll tell you, I, I, that's the, 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 the news of that, her coming back is probably what I love yes. the most. I think Viola Davis nailed Amanda Waller, uh, and I love the casting from the get-go, and I'm glad that there's some rollover while they kind of reset that section of the DC universe. I, like I said, it's not my favorite. I, 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 it wasn't bad. I, watching it the third, first few times I fell asleep, third time I stayed up for it, and it wasn't terrible. Um, it's just not Wonder Woman. Let's get to the good stuff, where Wonder Brothers themselves kind of have done some course correction with Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and the latest and greatest Shazam. By the Shazam way, spoiler, if, if you haven't seen any of these, like, if you haven't seen Shazam yet, I know it's only been out for a week or so. Go uh, see Shazam. Go I, see it. I really, I, I'm, here's the thing. I'm really disappointed that the Trocadero is closing. Because, uh, like, I, I saw Creed in the Trocadero, and yeah. it was, like, the, per, the perfect Philly right, experience, right. and now I won't get to see another perfect Philly movie in, like, a Philly institution, and I'm really upset about it. Yeah, I want to say that maybe one of the reasons I really love Shazam is that, like, Philadelphia. Like, I love that it's, it's I'm, Philadelphia. I'm an absolute sucker for anything that shows me <laughs> in my neighborhood. Right, right, right. Well, Shazam, for me, like I told you, is what I think really finally happened, and, and we talked about it. I think the problem is everything everybody was scared about that was going to happen to Marvel with Disney's Bartman is what happened to DC. Because Avengers made a billion dollars and Warner Brothers suddenly woke up and went, wait a minute, a billion bucks? Why don't we have a billion bucks? Don't we have one of those comic book things? And they did what everybody thought DC, that Disney was going to do to Marvel. Uh, Warner wrote movies by committee, uh, went, okay, everybody likes you dark, so let make, let's make these bright characters dark. And um, Shazam embraces the goofiness of the DC. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that goofiness. That's the reason we like them. That's the reason that you will watch the animated shows over and over again. Because that goofiness is still there. You know, those jokes between Batman and Superman, you know, or, or Flash, or things like that. And that's what I think Shazam does. Um, I knew I was there from the trailer when Shazam says to Billy, speak my name. Why don't you talk? I said, speak my name. Okay. <laughs> like, okay, I got that. There's my music. They had me at one alcohol, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, I don't, there's just something about that movie I just love. Like, from the trailer, I don't think everything that that, Mark, talk about Mark McDonough. 
finally figuring out how to market a movie. Like, that, Shazam spoke to me. Probably because it does, it's way more lighthearted. Uh, I mean, the, the whole, just him being a kid, even when he's in his Shazam form, and like trying to figure out how things are going to work, how to be a hero, uh, and being taught by uh, Freddy? Yeah, Freddy. Freddy. Being, being taught by the comic nerd. Yeah, <laughs> being taught by Freddy, and like, oh, and just this like, kind of arrogance he has, and like him like growing as all within this two-hour movie. He's, he's yeah. like kind of like the worst of himself, and then the best of himself. One of the things I thought they did really great in this stuff, First scene when the big fight starts, and I gotta give it to Zachary Lee for, for doing that. He gets hit, and when he looks up, you're like, yo, that's a kid, but you can see on his face, he's about to cry. Yes. Because that's what would happen if you were a kid and a real adult hit you that hard. And, you know, he gets it together, but I'm just like, there you go. I believe. Your kid in a big body with that because you're trying to keep it together. But I can see that count of I can't cry in front of people, but I'm about to. Yeah, I, that uh, that really like, did a great job. I do. I, I agree. Like it was I, maybe one of the best performances out of the DC EU is, is his performance as Shazam and, and playing Billy Batson. Uh, I thought it was great. I'm a little upset that it's not John Cena, but I will take that. I'll take that earlier. <laughs> I, I always thought John Cena had to Captain America. For me, it was three dollars, one word, fun. <laughs> there, there's not money besides the previous Aquaman. Right. And some of Wonder Woman. Where was that word in the other four? Right, right, right. Right, and I think what I love is kind of like what Jeff said with what Marvel does, having genre within genre. Like that's what Wonder Woman finally did. Wonder Woman was a movie about in as a war movie, World War One, and then you had Aquaman, which I guess isn't really a genre film and a genre film, but it's just it gave you that Star Wars experience, right? Where it, it, it takes you somewhere we've never really explored, like that much in depth. I think to me, Aquaman had a little bit of echo of Black Panther. It was also sort of, sort of, even though it wasn't in space, it was sort of their Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, where yeah. It's unexplored to us, because they were in space. They were in space. We hardly hard know anything under the space. But my my one thing of um, difference between my Marvel, so successful, and the DC thing, is one, one thing, one person. Right, right, right. Because right, right. Think, of the, think of Marvel as a cruise ship. That cruise ship is going in one steady direction where DC was a bunch of little speedboats going in whatever direction they wanted to because they had different captains each right. one. And, and when you're doing singular stories that aren't interconnected, that's fine. But when you're doing, trying to build a universe, you need someone to say, well, let's do this, let's do that, let's put, plug this here, plug that here. Yeah, and you also remember, you know, because one of the things I know with DC, but we'll talk about more, but you got to remember, this is now the most successful film franchise in Hollywood And while everybody, and that's the problem, the DC came so late to the party, and the first thing everybody wanted them to do is to be like Marvel, but they all forgot that 10 years ago, we all watched Iron Man, and we got that first after scene where Nick goes, I want to talk about the Avengers initiative. That wasn't a promise. That was almost going, wow. Wouldn't it be cool if we got an Avengers movie? Because there was no guarantee that we didn't know if this movie would work. And unfortunately, later on, as we do this, like I said, after the first Avengers movie, this other movie tries to walk in and go, oh, okay, we're just going to do it just like that. And it's got to go, well, you got to remember, these started off with the idea of maybe we might be able to do this, but no guarantee. And DC tried to walk on and go, hey, we guarantee this is going to be this incredible franchise. You really can't do And Dark Universe shows that. Because they basically rested on their laurels. Whereas Marvel, they had to work because they had none of their main characters. Whereas Warner Brothers always had the main characters, but they only relied on Batman and Superman. If you go to past 10, 11 years, Marvel has a ton of different key characters, but over that also 10 years, how many movies 
don't have Batman or Superman either. But at the same time, they're also, and, and let's, let's really talk about it. The main problem with most Superman movies is even though it's 20 years ago, even though he's dead and gone, Christopher Reeve's shadow is large. You know, we can all still go back to those movies and, you know, though they fall apart in the end, just like Batman's movies fall apart in the end, those first ones still hold up. To this day, when I was a kid and I saw it, and now to this day, I'm always shocked that Christopher Reeve gets away with one is way I'm here to fight for truth, justice, and the American way. And I didn't laugh in his face. I just went, oh yeah, of course you are. <laughs> and I think that's the real problem, that these movies cast, those movies, especially the Superman movies, cast such a large shadow. You know, and Marvel didn't have that problem. Oh, and a little love from Brandon Ralph? <laughs> I, I do like that movie. I, I get tears in my eyes when, when Lois gets on his shoes and they, they fly up in the air. I'm just like, they love each other. That's what they I, I feel like we were wrong. Like, I feel like that's another, I think Brandon Ralph is another thing where I feel like in a different, if, they, if the movie was written differently, I think he would have had 14 Superman movies. Right. Because I think, it turns out, he's pretty good at playing a superhero. Yeah, yeah I think he's on something, right? Back to that. The main problem with this stuff, you know, and I always argue about this all the time. You know, people tell me, oh, this person is horrible. They can't do that. I'm like, you know, I usually blame the script and the director before I blame the actor. Mm -hmm. Even like with the Green Lantern movie. Nobody walked, Ryan Reynolds did not walk on that set going, oh my God, I'm going to give you guys such the worst Green Lantern. You, you are going to have nightmares by the time I've done this movie. You know, these people walk in and they're trying to do, do good stuff, but as we said before, it's written by committee, and you can tell that it's written by committee. Uh, so we have a couple minutes left. Um, uh, before we maybe try to see if anyone has questions for us, uh, especially you two that are the well-educated uh, comic book people, uh, I, I want to talk about the future of the DC EU, and like, let's just pick one thing we would like to see come, you know, whether it's something from established IP or something else entirely. You have something? Four words. Ava DuVernay's new god. Are you kidding me? That's going to rule. I, I, I've been quivering with excitement. I can see it. I know that. It's going to be. <laughs> this is like your love for like when you talk about Jakarta. That's how excited you get. I Jack Kirby is my favorite person in all of time. Is the work of Jack Kirby is, is what makes me love superheroes. The New Gods is the culmination of everything that Jack Kirby worked for. And Marvel Studios needs to explain that Jack Kirby just is important to stand. Yes, a hundred percent. I I I I've said that all along. But like to have. Jack Kirby's fourth world, the New God Saga, on screen, directed by, well, I think, one of the only people that I think really could actually make a cohesive movie out of that, it's going to be amazing. Okay, not on the thing, nobody's going to anything. The movie they should be making, and they should be aiming it at kids, is Legion of Superheroes. Oh, God, yeah. Because Legion is, Legion, run it like Hogwarts. The coolest, oh. coolest place you could be, and that is the, that is the movie that I would do. You get to do, you know, much like with a little bit through with Shazam, but I'm like, man, Legion is the untapped goldmine that nobody's paying attention to. You know, started off with some kid that's trying out, just like that. I don't know what's going on, and you get there, and it's like all these cool guys. I mean, it's the coolest. Club in the team club in the universe, and you should take a little bit of the original stuff, but really lean into Tom and Mary beer bombs legionnaires mm -hmm. because that 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 to me is just untapped potential. Love it. What do you got, Anthony? What do you want to see come from the DCEU? I basically just wanted to see uh, what they've lately been doing to continue more, just more mm -hmm. of the. Um, more stories with more heart. There you go. Yeah. And I guess more fun. Because I mean, it seems that that's what gets people more. As long as the story has heart, 
and it's supposed to be light and all the other stuff, just continue right. what they're doing now for future movies. I, uh, the one thing I want to see is if we're going to, to my understanding, I know Batfleck is out of the Batman, but I think he's under contract for one more movie still. I think he's going to honor that. Here's what I want. Batman Beyond. You can, there, you have your, your Batfleck who's an older Bruce Wayne, right? Uh, I, not that I'm overly familiar with Batman Beyond, but I was like of age for the Batman animated series and everything that came in that, that era. And I really enjoyed watching that cartoon when I was a kid. And I would love to see a Terry McGinnis story. Uh, and I think, like, if you want a perfect way to exit Batman from, uh, and, and specifically Ben Affleck, from the DCEU, and, like, not have to say, here's another Bruce Wayne. Here's another pearl dropping in the gutter theme, right? You do it with Batman Beyond, and you do it with Terry McGinnis. I think that would be a great way to introduce the character into, to an established DCEU. You know like okay. Else. No, 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 no. I want that movie. But if we're going to keep it in the DCEU, I think you do it with Batman, uh, with uh, Ben Affleck. I think but Michael does much crotch, better crotch than Bruce Wayne. But my dream movie is you get an honest to God live action adaptation of like uh, the Dark Knight Returns with Michael Keaton in the role. Ooh. Then that segues to a sequel of Batman Beyond, where he now is passing the mantle on to Terry McGinnis, and it's Michael Keaton the whole way through. That's my personal dream of outside the DCEU. Like, come on, Michael Keaton is the perfect age to reprise that role of Batman to that story. Basically, he has been in a birth suit. He sort of played that role, or at least being the crazy part of that role in Birdman, and then the yeah. mean part of it you've seen in uh, Homecoming. Right. Yep. All right, if, uh, since we have Michael Yates from the Atomic City Comics here, he's been reading comics longer than anyone here, and we have Jeff Storm, our scholar of comics. We have time, I think, for two questions, if anyone has questions. Hold on, let me come down there. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, I think we can agree that a lot of the problems that the DCEU had in the early days was Zack Snyder wasn't really the right person for the right job. Um, you just lacked the finesse in the early days to kind of fill in those details and put all the pieces in, in order. I think there's a, this isn't really a question, but more of a statement. I think there would have been a place for Zack Snyder further on down the road once you're six or seven movies in and you give a guy someone, you give a guy like Snyder a lot more freedom to do what he wants instead of having to work inside of a box as he would have had to with uh, Superman and Justice to a point. So it, a lot of the success and failures of the DCU really comes down to having the right, the right person for the right job. Zach should have been the guy if they wanted to do an injustice series. I was, I was going to say Wild Dog. Remember Wild no, Dog with the hockey man? Wild Dog. <laughs> just get, let him like, have like weird knockoff Midwestern Punisher for like two hours. I think Jack yeah. Snyder would knock that out of the box. I love yeah. that. Okay, I can see that. I, I am going to say, and, and the, one of the best things that DCU is doing right now, and unfortunately it is on something where the least amount of people can see it, is Doom Patrol is amazing. It is really good. I have seen five of them, so it is amazing. And every time I watch it, I go, great. Hardly anybody seen this. If you guys don't have the DC Universe app, it is well worth the price of admission. It is, and it's getting even more valuable. Just buy it for a month and binge watch the show. And tell you it's really good. It is. what I did with Batman Day. There you go. It is It is well worth one month of a binge everything. Uh, time for one more question for these really smart guys up here. Anything? No? Okay. Oh, we got one. Here we go. Uh, considering the long history of these characters and how they've gone through so many different versions, how do you recommend that uh, some the filmmakers focus in on the iconic version or the version that gets represented in these movies? I think you boil it down to an elevator pitch of what the character means and, like, you know, what... Like, you know, there are certain things about any sort of character that has a long history and a lot of iterations. Like, you can look at Sherlock Holmes, and there's a lot of different things. Some of them play up him being an addict. Some of them don't. Some of them play up his, some of them play up his relationship with Watson. Others don't. But you can boil it down to be like, okay, what's Sherlock Holmes' deal? He's the world's greatest detective. Like, he is a master detective who will deduce an unsolvable crime. So you find that one-sentence pitch, and then my personal take is you find the genre of movie that 
best embodies that, and you don't make a superhero movie. You make the movie about that one sentence pitch. You don't make you don't make a Superman movie. You make an Americana coming of age movie about being a good person. Well, and I agree the same thing because it's exactly what Marvel does. Everybody likes to think that Marvel doesn't reboot their universe, because that's one of the arguments I always hear. Look how many times Marvel, you know, DC rebooted. Marvel reboots just as much. They just don't call it crisis. So you can't go with this, you know? And that's what Marvel did. The Marvel movies right now are a crazy amalgam of the Ultimate stuff and the regular, and the regular Marvel stuff. Mostly the Ultimate stuff was done, the way they do it is they got rid of all the radiation that gave everybody their powers because we now know in this day and age that means you get cancer and you die. So I think you do the exact same thing that Marvel does with their characters. They just pick what works and they ignore what doesn't because it's its own thing. You know, the movies are their own continuity. Their continuity is not tied to the comics in any way, shape, or form. And we know this because suddenly Tony makes Iron Man and not Hank Pym. But that's what you do with DC. You just, as you said, you use the best thing of what everybody knows about the character. One thing that I would do is let's really get rid of the uh, brick shithouse Batman and turn him back into a sleek, you know, ninja. Like what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be a guy that's hard to hit, a guy that's hard to see, a guy that can somehow, even though it doesn't make sense, seem to be able to duck bullets. All right. Uh, do you have a response before we go? Okay, so let's uh, thank all our panelists here. Jeff Storner. Hey, everybody. Party One, at Party One Pod on Twitter, right? Yeah, that's correct. SM, Michael Yates, owner and operator of Atomic City Comics on South Street. What's uh, my uh, we don't really have a subject. Facebook.com. Facebook. We are on Facebook and things like that. I am working on, at hopefully by the end of the year, we're working on a podcast or a YouTube show that we're going to call Four Color Autopsy, where I open up comics and see what makes me think. I love that idea. Love that. And Anthony Anderson from the Blacklisted Podcast. Twitter is at Blacklisted Pod. Facebook.com slash Blacklisted Pod. Uh, I'm Kevin Gallagher with Everything is Awesome at Real Awesome Pod on Twitter, awesomepodcast.com. We'll be back here tomorrow at 2 p.m. to talk the MCU, Marvel's Endgame, the end of an era. Thank you for coming out today and chatting in DC with us. We'll see you tomorrow. This is Chaos here with Blacklisted Podcast, and I'm here with uh, FM Yates of Atomic City Comics in Philadelphia. Philadelphia 638 in Philly. 638 South Street in Philadelphia. And how long have you had your comic book shop? Uh, my comic book shop, I've been selling comics on South Street since 1987. So that's about 32 years now, I think. Yeah, roughly about 32, that. 33. Because, uh, let's see. So. so have you ever thought about trying to get your stuff into the cons, at least for... Uh, we did do cons. We did the very first Wizard World. Uh, really, unfortunately, what it usually um, gets down to is we don't make that much money. Yeah. What we usually, what we used to do at Wizard World was we would bring comics in and we would do a little bit of stuff. And what we would really do is we used to bring a uh, coupon sheet to push South Street, and that's what it is. But as it's gone on, it's just. When we, unfortunately, nothing against cons and anything, when you've got to shop and everything, by the time we get through the fees, yeah. paying my, my employees, setting up and stuff, we're lucky if we break even. We usually end up losing money. So a lot of times we don't do that. Um, what we do do is we work with people that do it as a living, but they don't have a brick and mortar store. And um, we'll send comics that I can't move. Like I have a, a lot of uh, horror books and things like that, and we'll send that in there. And the guy will also, you know, wear our shirt that says our shop, um, give out our card and things like that. But in the last couple of years, it's just it just doesn't make money for us. Yeah, it's more or less uh, at least getting out to a big spot. Right. To put your name out there to drive people. Yeah. To your shop. Right. So that's. So that's what we try to do. We try to work with people, but 
we really don't do cons that much, you know. And unfortunately, it really just gets down to the bottom line. Yeah, because uh, yeah, uh, it also depends on if you have brick and mortar. Because, like, um, you brought up her. Right. A friend of mine, he created the Living Dead Dolls. Right. So even though they sort of have the website through Mexico Toys and all that other stuff, mm -hmm. he basically just hits every, like, horror-type con after one after another because yeah. he brings all his stuff in. So he sort of does have the merchandise to one. But also the backing of, like you say, something of a medical toys, whereas if you're independently owned, I'm guessing it would be a lot harder for something this big right. to mainly uh, push something besides just your name. Yeah. When we do it on, yeah, if we do it, it's, it's almost like we're running two stores at the same time. And it just, it's, it, like I said, it's just a bit of a strain. And I'd like to. But it really just gets down to like the table fees and stuff, you know, and and that's 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 what really does it. Because then we got you know, because one, it's on weekends, and being that we're on South Street, we weekends are busy for us. So suddenly I have to split, you know, split. I have to split the crew. Um, I know there are people that would volunteer, but it's still you got to watch it because not that I'm saying that it's bad, but it's our name. And we got a rep. And the last thing I knew I need is somebody that we basically haven't put through Atomic City training to be representing us and maybe get a little weird. And then suddenly it's like, oh, I know you guys from that sh that, that con oh, I went to. Uh, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, you have a website or anything? Uh, uh, we are on Facebook, other Atomic City Comics. Uh, we also are on Flipboard, which is an app that you can go to, and we're under Atomic City Comics on that. Um, uh, one of our guys does a really cool Star Wars um, video cast called Broaxium, and if you look them up, they're there. But uh, right now, those are what it is. Um, like I told you, I'm working on something called Four Color Autopsy, but it's probably not going to be out until probably later this year. Okay. Hey, thank you. Thank you.